our guests who are here with us this morning. Hallelujah. I know uh, Anna, for, uh, I believe you're Sister Smith's neighbor. Is that correct? Well, praise God. It's wonderful to have you here. I didn't get your name. Oh, praise the Lord. Uh, you've been here before. Yes. Hallelujah. Kiara, right? Man, it's been so good to see you. It's been a while. Hallelujah. How about we give our guests a hand and thank them for coming? Praise God. You know, I thought it was you, but then I saw your daughter. I said, they still look young. So they're too young to be Kiara. But you guys, that's great. You guys, uh, you just, you, you don't age. Don't ever age. That's a good thing. It's also wonderful to have Lisa back with us today. Uh, praise God. It's also wonderful to have Linda back with us today. Praise the Lord. Uh, some of you, you guys know this. Uh, the first time you come, you're a guest. The second time you come, we just consider you part of the family. So welcome to being part of our family today and joining with us. How about we give them another hand? Now, before I get into this, I want to give, get everybody caught up on what has been happening here at Higher Purpose. About three weeks ago, we had a great move of God in our service. God moved us in a sphere of faith. In fact, in that service, we had a display of miracle signs and wonders. There was at least five people who left this building after being prayed for, having no pain in their body, that when they were prayed for, they had pain. After being prayed for, they no longer had pain. That's the move of the Holy Ghost. That's God doing a work. Hallelujah. The Sunday after that, we preached about revival. And we preached about God coming and bringing uh, a, a movement back. Today, we're going to go along that same vein today. And I believe that this will hopefully, in Jesus' name, bring it all all down to just this moment. Man, I'm excited about what God's going to do today. Hallelujah. John chapter 5 and verse 1. When you're there, say amen. Amen. Everybody say amen because it's on the screen. Amen. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk. These are blind, halt, withered people who need a touch from God. Amen. They sat there waiting. Everybody say they were waiting for the moving of the water. Oh, Jesus. They were waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water, moved the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in to that pool, was made whole of whatsoever disease that person had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there next to the pool, and knew that he had been there a long time, a long time he's been waiting 
for the stirring of the water. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew he'd been there a long time. He saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I'd like to, but I just, I don't have any man when the water is troubled to help me to get into the pool. And while I struggled to crawl my way to the pool without the use of my legs, another who is quicker than I steppeth down before me. He receives his healing and I do not. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, oh, take up thy bed and walk. Praise God. Jesus basically just says, All right, you're done waiting. I want to tell somebody today, you're done waiting. Your miracle is here. Jesus is here. Your breakthrough is here. And immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. I, I, I'd like to preach, and maybe we'll, we'll have to settle some ground here, but I'd really like to preach today from this topic, starting a movement. Starting a movement. As you can hear, my voice is gone. There are several in this place who've been sick this week and uh, my family was sick. I still am recovering in my voice. So I need you to preach with me today. Is that all right? Amen. Hallelujah. But I believe that God wants to do something great in this house. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Do you have the same expectation and faith today? How about we go to the Lord in prayer? <coughs> Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, for this opportunity to come here in your presence to speak to us and to minister to our hearts and our needs. We ask you, Lord Jesus, to speak to us again. Minister to our hearts again. Help us, Lord, to be moved by your Spirit again in this house. Oh, we love you and we thank you, Jesus. We believe, Lord God, in what you want to do in this place. And we have faith, Lord, that you're going to do it for me. You're going to do it for us. If you have that faith, won't you shout amen? God bless you. You can be seated. Brother Kavan, if you could turn me up a little in the P monitor, I would appreciate that. So in this story, we find a pool, uh, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethesda. This pool, quite interesting. Uh, the, you know, we don't really see this pool ever again in scriptures. I've heard that you can actually visit the pool of Bethesda. They have found it in Jerusalem. It's quite an interesting story. It seems to be quite extraordinary. There's a pool that is troubled, and whoever gets in the pool first will be healed. Now, there is several different mindsets of what this is, what it could be. Perhaps it was something that God designed as a means of healing for the people in that day. But I actually believe with the other side, I, I actually don't believe that the biblical account 
is stating that this is real, but rather what the expectation or belief was of Bethesda. So they, in that day, were very superstitious. The Jews, very superstitious. They had many beliefs that went beyond Scripture. And perhaps at some point, there became a rumor that this pool caused somebody to be healed. Maybe somebody at some point stepped in it, and they felt healed, they felt rejuvenated, and so it started this thing. If that's the case or the other's the case, whatever it may be, we see a large group of people, people who need a touch, people who need the Lord in their lives. The Bible says it's a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind people, halt people, withered people, people who had all sorts of physical ailments, all sorts of physical diseases. In fact, the Bible says that when they stepped into the water, whatsoever disease they had, they would be healed. And this man sitting there for a long, long time, he is not able to move quickly. He is basically sitting there waiting for something to happen that may never happen. They were committed to this idea, this thought that had been passed down. If only the waters were moved. If only the waters were troubled. I'm just waiting for the moving of the waters. I'm just waiting for movement. Oh, can you imagine being there in that day? If this is true, being there in that day and waiting, hearing the water at some point do a little splash, getting all excited. Wait a minute, is this it? Are the waters being moved? But realizing it's just somebody soaking their feet Somebody taking a little dip. You sit there waiting. And then every little sound, every little noise, you thought, is this it? Is this the movement I've been waiting for? Can I preach for just a moment? There are people out in this world who are sitting beside pools of water, whether they be real or not, and they're waiting for a movement that will touch their bodies, that will heal their souls. And that will meet their needs. But I'm sorry to tell them they're going to be waiting a long, long time. Because even if this world can offer a little bit of relief, it cannot touch the body and it cannot touch the soul. Oh, but when Jesus walks into the room, hallelujah, Jesus is the movement he's been waiting for. And this man besides the body of water, he was waiting for a movement and he didn't realize that that movement had already occurred. That Jesus had already brought healing into Jerusalem and a move of God. Oh, praise the Lord. I wish he had heard a different rumor about 
Jesus who was healing blind eyes, who was raising the dead. Oh, I'm here to preach to you about a movement that will not desist, that will meet every need. It is a Jesus movement that is able to touch and heal and bless and make new in this place. Hallelujah. Their hope was in folklore. Maybe some in this house, those who are out there, you put your hope in politicians. Hallelujah. Maybe you put your hope in the doctors. I've got nothing, nothing against doctors, but sometimes they don't have all the answers. And you put your hope in doctors who are not able to touch you. Oh, let me preach for a moment. Put your hope in Jesus Christ. Put your hope in Jesus. Hallelujah. Because if you can't get him met out there, I promise you he's done it for me. He can meet your needs in here. He can touch your body. He can heal your diseases. He can provide for your family. He can touch your soul. Oh, hallelujah. He can touch your soul. He can set you free from sin. Praise God. He can set you free from sin, chains, and addiction. We started several weeks ago talking about transformation. Oh God, we've seen some transformation by the hand of Jesus in this place. Lives that have been transformed and turned around. If you're in this place and you need the Lord to transform you, all you got to do is come to Him and He will do it. Cry out to the Lord and He will touch you. Because Acts chapter 4 and 12, it tells us, neither is there salvation in any other. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's by the name of Jesus. He is the movement. He is the revival. He is the healing. He is the blessing. And Jesus showed the man that if he wants healing, if he wants change, if he wants transformation, Jesus was the answer. And Jesus is still the answer. Jesus is still the answer. Jesus is still the answer for you. Jesus is still the answer for your children. Jesus is still the answer for our society. Hallelujah. I don't know what you're putting. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you, I know we've got big elections and, and everything is up and down. Everything's crazy politically. At the end of the day, I don't put my faith in a party. I don't put my trust in Democrat or Republican. I put my trust in Jesus. Whatever your opinion is of the current president, last president, I'm here to tell you they're not the answer. Neither of them are. No man is the answer other than the man, Jesus Christ, who will set us free. Jesus is the true movement that this world needs. He was a revolutionary when he came into this world. That word revolutionary, it means involving or causing a complete or dramatic change. He was the 
change that that world, this world needed. He changed dramatically the Jewish faith. Not that he did away with it, but he completed it. He changed dramatically the Gentiles and the beliefs of the Gentiles. I tell you, the world has never been the same since Jesus came. The world has never been the same. Every corner of the earth has been changed and transformed by this man, Jesus. I think he deserves a little bit of praise, a little bit of honor today. He changed the status quo. He completed the law. Seemed as though Jesus was turning society upside down. See, but Jesus wasn't here just to stir up trouble. Although, boy, he stirred up a lot of trouble. He was here to move the waters. He came to build a movement. He didn't come to build some sort of structure that would just stand in a solid place. He came to build a movement. He came to build a church. Matthew 16, 18, if you could throw that up. Jesus says unto Peter, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Oh, praise God. Listen, I know this is going to get real cliche for a minute, but there's a reason why this is cliche. But God did not come to build good buildings and large buildings. He did not come to, to make a church. He came to produce a movement that would carry the gospel forward that would see a move of the Spirit in society. What evidence do I have of this? Hallelujah. It's the very next line. He says, I will build my church. He doesn't mean it's going to be a structure where you go to and everybody just plays patty cake and then goes home. No. He says, for the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. That doesn't say the gates of hell isn't going to, or, or hell isn't going to prevail against the gates of the church. It says the church will prevail against the gates of hell. That means the church is supposed to be on the move. The church is supposed to be pushing down strongholds. The church is supposed to be knocking down the, the status quo. There's no wonder that in the book of Acts, they've said, look, these men talking about the church, talking about the apostles, they have turned our world upside down. Oh, I'm getting ready to see a revival. A movement where the church is going to once again turn this world upside down. Somebody shout about it. Somebody rejoice about it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The church has gotten all dignified with our big buildings, our organizations, our structures. I'm not knocking any of that. I love our building. Hasn't God blessed us with a great building? 
He's blessed us with structure. He's blessed us with a great team of leaders, people who are committed to the work of God. Let me preach to you, that's only a small portion of what God meant this thing to be. Hallelujah. And I know again, it's cliche to say it, but it might, but the church isn't something we do. It's something we are. And I'm afraid the church has gotten to the point where it's become a solid structure and not a movement. It's become something that you go to once a a week and not something that changes and transforms lives. I still believe Jesus changes and transforms lives. And I still believe that the Lord has blessed the church to carry this gospel forward. That's why I'm preaching. I want to see signs and wonders in the building, but I want to see signs and wonders out there. I want to see people set free in the building, but I want to see people set free out there. What is a movement? An online dictionary defined a movement as a group of people with a particular set of aims or ideas. One example is the women's movement. They brought, got together in unity, set together some aims and ideas and pushed for those aims and ideas. Can I tell you that the church is meant to be a people who come together, who are united under one aim and idea, and that is publishing the good news of the Lord. Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, we need to come together and decide we are going to take this aim and these ideas out into the world. The second definition of a movement is a situation in which people change their opinion or the way They live or work. Praise God. I believe that's what God designed the church for. He designed the church that we could be an institution that causes change in the opinion and the ways of individuals. I know you just came here today. You wanted a nice little sermon. I'm sorry. Praise God. But but I'm trying to get us to this point where we see the church as more than just a Sunday morning, they know we want to see change. Hallelujah. Praise God. We believe that that opinions can be transformed, not into our opinion, but into this opinion right here. We believe that that our ways can be changed. let, Let me break free from this for just a moment. Listen, the way we've been doing things hasn't been working. Sitting by the poolside, waiting for change, it's not working. Sitting around expecting life to get better, happiness to come in, peace and joy to fill you, 
hoping that a relationship will meet your needs or a promotion will meet your needs. Listen, we've all been there. But can I tell you for just a moment, this is why we need to change our ways because what we're doing isn't working. Let me introduce you to the way, the truth, and the life. And that is Jesus Christ. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. I'm inviting you to change and start living your life for Jesus. The third definition of a movement is an occasion when something develops, changes, or happens in a particular way or direction. I see this as a progression. First, there's a group of people who have decided come together in unity that they're going to see a move of God. And that transforms lives and transforms people, transforms families. And eventually we get to the third. It changes a society. It changes a culture. Can I preach to you for a moment? The revival in Brazil several years ago, it started with just one soul and then a second soul and then a third soul. Brazil was predominantly a Catholic nation. There was one man, his name was Benny Demerchant, amazing man of God in the UPC, in our organization. He passed away just a few years ago. This was not a man who was a great orator. This was not a man that you'd look at and think, man, that's a great man of God but he went into Brazil and he started to preach the gospel and he saw soul after soul after soul saved to where now what was once 80 90 percent Catholic the nation is considered to be only about half Catholic and the other half Pentecostal because of one man who decided, I'm going to preach the gospel, and I'm going to preach Jesus, and we're going to see a move of God. Oh, somebody's got to get this today. Somebody's got to get a burning in your heart that says, I want to see the same change in my society. I want to see the same transformation. I went to Brazil. I was honored to go to Brazil several years ago. You're driving down the road. And it, it, it was different than today. Today you drive down the road, you see a bunch of people, and, and it's quite obvious they don't, they're not living for God. They're barely clothed. They're, you know, they've got all this, this stuff. You drive in Brazil, and every, around every corner, there's ladies who are modestly dressed, who are humble. You can see the grace and love of God on their face. I will never forget uh, one of the days we had a long trip to make and I sat in the very front of the bus. It was a whole bus of young people. I was one of the leaders. I sat in the front of the bus and every town we went through there were more people who more women and, and people who were obviously dressed differently and changed than everybody else. The amount of people it was crazy to think. And I asked the missionary there. So it seems like there's so many people here who are just, who are believing the way we believe, dressing like we're dressing and acting like we're acting. He said, yeah. He says, a majority of them have been changed. And it can be attributed to one man, Benny Demerchant. I'm not saying it was all him. 
But I'm saying if just one person in this place gets a fire in their heart that says, I believe Jesus can do it, we could see our society, our city turned upside down, our city movement like never before. We've been talking about transformation. I'm taking it a step further. I'm talking about transforming our culture. And it's happening right now. Hallelujah. I know I've already mentioned it, but the, uh, the revivals, the Asbury revivals that are taking place, we're seeing a shift in our culture. Now, I know there's a lot of opinions on that. They're not doing this or preaching that or whatever. Listen, there are a group of people seeking God. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you what, if we don't get a hold of that, those of us who feel like we've got the truth and the gospel, if we don't get a hold of that, we'll miss what the Lord Jesus Christ is trying to do. We got to get a hunger for God. We got to get a desire for revival. We got to get a desire that says, I'm going to pray until something happens. I'm going to seek God until something changes. Is this all right today? How about we clap our hands and rejoice in the Lord for a moment? You guys with me? Somebody shout revival. Somebody shout movement. That was weak. Somebody shout movement. Who wants it? Who wants to see it in your home? Who wants to see it in your family? Who wants to see it in your neighborhood? Oh, praise God. Well, let me tell you how to do it. How do we start a movement? Before God gave me the story, before God gave me anything else, Monday night in prayer, God gave this to me. He said it takes three things. A movement, but before we can see life and our culture changed by the movement, we must achieve momentum. The amount of momentum that an object has is dependent upon two variables. How much stuff is moving and how fast the stuff is moving. That is momentum. And then there's a third. Before we can have a movement, we must have momentum. And before we can have momentum, we need to be moved. To see a movement in our society... We, the church, must be moved. We must be moved. The Bible gives many examples of what that means. Here's just a few of them. These are things specifically I felt God put on my heart for this church. We've got to get to a point where we are moved by the message of Jesus Christ again. We must get to a point where we're not sick and tired of hearing the gospel. But when we preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we get just as excited today as we did the first time that we heard it. I love Acts 2.38. Brandon, you did such a terrific job. How about we put our hands together for Brandon? I love Acts 2.38. We'll talk about it in just a minute. But before Acts 2.38, Peter preached a sermon about Jesus Christ. And those who were listening... The Bible says that they were pricked in their heart. What does that mean? It's called conviction. Listen, God convicts. He does not condemn. Not today. If you're condemned by the message, that's the devil doing it. 
That's not Jesus doing it. Jesus convicts. Jesus pricks our heart. Oh God, that we would be pricked in our heart again by the message of Jesus Christ. Oh God, that we wouldn't be able to sit through a church service and listen with empty hearts, uh, being stale, not being moved by the Holy Ghost and the Word of God. Oh God, help us that we wouldn't read the Bible and just read through it like it's a textbook. Something that we fall asleep in it. Oh God, give us a moving of the message again. Touch us by these words again. Let us be pricked in our heart when we hear preaching again. Let us be pricked in our hearts when we read the Bible again. Oh, can you say that right now? Can you pray and say, God, prick my heart again. Move me with the message again. Hallelujah. Specifically, Acts 2.38, they they were pricked in their heart and it moved them to respond. That's what a message is supposed to do. It's supposed to bring conviction and moves us with a response. Is this okay today? Peter stood before them and told them, repent. Repent. Oh God, that the message would move us to repentance again. That the message would examine our heart. The preached word of God, the Bible. The Bible says it's, it's sharp enough to, to pierce even the, the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Meaning it's able to reach down into the very depth of who we are and to move us. Oh God, move us again to repentance that we would be moved to reflect on our own life and our own sin and our own mistakes and weaknesses, that we would bring them before the Lord and ask God's forgiveness. Oh, that we'd be moved to baptism. Peter said, repent every one of you and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. God, move us with a burden to be baptized. Mark 16, 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Oh God, move us to be baptized in the name of Jesus again. Oh, move us to be baptized. Oh, that we'd be moved to obedience. Why do I got to be baptized? Why do I got to do this or do that? I'll tell you why, because the message says to do it. The Bible says to do it. Oh, that we'd be moved by the gospel. Moved by the message. The book of Revelation. Oh, I know I'm, I'm going long here. Please give me just another minute. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelations that he'd rather us be hot or cold. For if we are lukewarm, he will spew us out of his mouth. He's saying, I'd rather you be all in or not in. I'd rather you be moved by the gospel again or you just forget about it and go your way. He's saying if we just sit there lukewarm and we're not moved and God's not able to reach us and He's not able to touch us, it'd be best if we were just out of the church and no longer serving Him. What He's saying is I need you to be moved again by my message. I need you to be moved again by the ministry. I need you to be moved again by the Word of God. I'm telling you how we're going to see a movement.
There's an old song. Move me with a message once again. It's been so long since I've grown within. Take me back once more to Calvary, where once again your message moves me. Am I communicating anybody's heart right now? Where you can say, take me once more back to Calvary. Can we pray that right now for just a minute, oh Jesus? Move me with your message again. Move me with your message again. Hallelujah. And the second way that we need to be moved, we need to be moved by the Spirit of God. And I recognize the Spirit and the Word, they work together in this way, but oh God, that we would decide to be moved again by the Spirit of God, to be moved to prayer. No great movement or revival has ever begun until a people first were moved to prayer by the Spirit of God. And they decided they weren't going to worry about what was coming after service or they weren't going to worry about the TV set or, or, or what they were going to eat or this or that, but they spent their time in prayer. Oh, that God would move us to prayer again. That God would move us to fasting again. The Bible tells us that Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit to fast 40 days. I wish somebody here would be moved by the Spirit again to fast. To consecrate yourself to the Lord. Oh, I wish the Spirit of God would move us to worship again with all that we've got and return to that David's tabernacle where they didn't just lift hands and they didn't just lift voices, but they danced in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Oh, that the Holy Ghost would move us to worship again. That the Holy Spirit would move us to faith and to act in faith where we could see the gifts of the Spirit flowing in our church services and in our society. Does anybody today want to move of the Spirit? Anybody today want to move of the Spirit? And the third, we need to be moved by compassion. Moved by compassion. Again, I recognize this is kind of a progression as well. Moved by the message will lead us to the Spirit. And moved by the Spirit will lead us to compassion. It tells us that Jesus was constantly moved by compassion for the group of people who were before Him. Matthew 14, 14 says, Jesus went forth 
and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and he healed their sick. Sadly, we sometimes can get to a point where we want revival, we want growth, and we try to do it like it's a numbers game. And we don't see the individual. We talk about 100. And I'm excited for what I believe that was a word from God, that we would grow to 100 in this place. Hallelujah. But 100 can't just be a number. These have to be 100 souls who need God. And they need somebody to bring them to them. They need somebody to bring the gospel to them. If the church could just be moved again by compassion. Moved by compassion to heal the sick. Moved by compassion to teach the word. Moved by compassion to provide for their needs. These are three things the Bible tells us specifically God, Jesus was moved to do. We just read He was moved to heal their sick. One passage says He was moved by compassion, so He taught them the truth. we got to teach them the truth. Amen? Hallelujah. And directly after Matthew 14, 14, after He was moved by compassion and healed the sick, He provided the fish and the loaves. And He would not let them leave until they had full bellies. Oh, that we'd be moved with compassion again. If we can get this. Everybody say, moved by the message. Everybody say, moved by the Spirit. Everybody say, moved by compassion. We need to be moved by the message. Moved by the Spirit. Moved by compassion. Oh, but if God moves us, we then have a responsibility because the moving of the Spirit, we've all experienced it. Amen? You felt that momentary move of God touching you, blessing you. But if we don't carry that move and create momentum out of it, it will desist, it will cease to occur. We have to pursue the move of God in our church through persistence in the Spirit. And when I feel dry, and I don't move and feel the moving of the Holy Ghost, I need to be persistent to worship until I feel the moving of the Holy Ghost again. I need to be persistent to go back to church, to pray again, to worship again, to listen to preaching again. Hallelujah. i got to be persistent because when we persist in the spirit through unity we will see momentum and I tell you if we get a move and we start to see momentum it's going to produce a movement in our society that no hell can stand against that's what I'm praying for hallelujah if we could stand today Wilfred, when I was young, my parents, they tried. They, we didn't have enough money for an underground pool, right? So they'd always...
purchase those above ground pools and sometimes they'd be nice ones, sometimes not so nice ones. Sometimes they're a little bit larger, sometimes a little bit smaller. My brothers and I had two brothers. We'd go swimming in that pool. Well, we learned that the still waters of the pool were fun. But if you could get those waters moving, you could have a real good time. So we'd be in the water in that pool. And we'd decide, you know what, let's stir this water up. So we'd start walking in a circle. Those pools were always just a circle. Maybe it just started with one of us. I can tell you, you ever done it? It can be tough. Trying to walk in water is not an easy thing to do, especially when you're trying to go quickly, right? The resistance is so great. You just have to push through it and keep walking. Maybe there was just one of us going about it. Well, my brothers would catch on. Oh, I know what's happening. Brother Wilford, would you come here? Oh, I know what's going on. I like this. Let's stir the waters. Walk with me. We're just walking in a circle. They'd start walking, and all of a sudden it got a little bit easier. That resistance was a little less because when you've got people to do it with, it's always easier. But can, can, I, can I just say one thing? We've got to decide as a church to do this. We've got to decide as a church we're not just going to have another service without a move of a God. We've got to decide as a church we're not going to just let one person come down at the altar and pray by themselves. If somebody's praying, I'm going to pray with them. It's not a sign. Can, can I tell you just for a moment? I know I'm bringing this to a close, but I, we've decided around here, we're going to change the mindset. We don't invite people to come down to the altar who need God only. We invite everybody to come down to the altar. Because you might come down to the altar and say, well, now everybody knows I need Jesus and I'm a sinner. We all need Jesus. We all need a move of the Holy Ghost. We all need a touch from God. Hallelujah. We've switched it around. It's not whoever comes down to the altar is a sinner. Hallelujah. But if you stay back in your seat, we might question. Don't be, feel bad if you don't come down to the altar. But I'm saying we've turned it around. We said we want to move. So we're going to walk together. We're going to pray together. We're going to worship together. Hallelujah. We're going to preach until we're moved again. We're going to pray until we get a move of the Spirit again. We're going to preach with compassion until we see souls transformed, changed, and set free. Brother Victor, why don't you come join us down here? My third brother would get in, and I tell you, then things start to move. You'd start to feel like something was changing in the atmosphere. The pool was changing. It wasn't this small little stir. No, now I was walking faster, and we got to go a little bit quicker. 
the waters begin to swirl and to turn. Hallelujah. Momentum started to build. And before we knew it, we were able to just stop and let the waters carry us around. And we weren't struggling and fighting. And a movement began to happen that transformed everything. Can I preach to you? That's what we need today. We need some people that are ready to move the waters. You're ready to stir things up. It might be uncomfortable. You guys can be seated. It might be uncomfortable. It might not be easy. You might have to pray through some things. You might have to push through some things. But if we could decide today, let us start a movement. Let us see a work of God in our city. Let us pray until something happens. Oh, today, I want to invite you down to this altar to start a movement. Come down and say, God, move me with your message again. God, move me by the Spirit of God again. God, move me with compassion again for my brother and my sister. Move me again, Lord Jesus. This has got to go beyond just emotion. This has got to go beyond just what you feel right now. But no, this movement's got to take traction. And I've got to decide. I want more than 